The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fritz. It's Friday. You know what that means. Welcome, everybody, to episode 30 of the Fretzelmania podcast. Governor, I am Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E-Mania. This podcast is available on Wrestleatic Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast across all common listening platforms. And today I will be reviewing Monday Night Raw from June 4th, 2001, and even talking about a huge what if in professional wrestling, the WCW Big Bang. All that and more this week, folks. Stay tuned. Now, I don't delve too deep into my personal life on this podcast. Uh, frankly, I like to kind of keep this kind of separate from that. As outgoing as I appear to be, I'm actually also kind of a low-key guy. I don't like people knowing my business. If you ask, I'll tell. But uh, anyways, last Monday, it would be the day after I recorded last week's episode. That'd be the 30th uh, of May. I woke up feeling really, really weird. Like, I sat up in bed and absolutely everything was spinning all around me. Uh, it felt like vertigo. It felt like my brain was in portrait to landscape mode. And I thought, this, uh, that, that don't feel good. So I went to the bathroom and I think, I'm just going to lay back down and see how I feel because I have to get ready for work. I got to get ready to go, but I'm just going to lay back down here for uh, another hour or so. And nature called again. And when I sat back up, same thing, spinny, spinny, spinny. So for the first time in nine years, I called in sick. Thankfully, my boss is also my brother and, you know, he was around if I needed anything. So that Monday, I kept it low key. I just I sat up. My, once I sat in my chair, I was fine. Eventually, the hardcore dizzy spells went away, but I still had a little bit of of nausea, a little bit of a headache, a little bit of motion sickness, heavy headed, light headed, whatever. So I gave it another couple of days. Like I I went into I still went into work because I didn't have any Rona symptoms or anything. And that, of course, also wasn't side effects from the vaccine. I'm I'm not vaccinated. I I have um, skepticism skepticism about it. I'm don't peg me as an anti-vaxer as a crazy person, but I just have thoughts about this, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit on them for the time being. So I called my doctor a couple of days later, and. My doctor's office is within a block of my home. Unfortunately, they are not taking in-person 
examinations unless you're getting the vaccine. <laughs> so they said that a doctor will call me by phone next Monday, which would be, yes, uh, two days ago at the time I'm recording this. Ah, our province is such in shambles. So based on the symptoms that I've told him, he suspects I have an inner ear infection, which would also explain now um, a little bit of balance problems here and there. Like I can feel woozy. I can feel me veering slightly off track when I'm walking down the street. So that will make sense. And just today I went uh, the next town over to go do blood work uh, and this same clinic that's within a block from my house, the same clinic that's not taking in-person examinations where I used to go get blood work, I had to get a ride to go to the next town over 20 minutes for a two-minute visit to be in and out of the hospital and get my blood work. So hopefully by the time you hear this, I'll get my answer of what's been going on. Uh, those of you who have reached out, thank you. And... If you want to, just reach out to me privately. I, as again, I'm low-key. I don't like people knowing me or my family's business. But because those of you who listen to Rush A Lot Radio, I love you. I value you as friends. And I just wanted to tell you uh, what was up. So if I'm a little low energy tonight, uh, just please bear with me. That was a very large truck um, going by there here. Now I know how the uh, Gift of Podcast studios feel. So... Yeah, and also the NHL playoffs have been going on, and once again, my Toronto Maple Leafs choke and lose in Game 7. Fuck, I hate this team. Why do I keep doing this to myself? You have a 3-1 series lead against the Montreal Canadiens, and you screw it up, just as I predicted, because... That's what it's like cheering for a team from Toronto. Yeah, we had the Raptors win the thing a couple of years ago. Whoopty freaking do. Hooray. The Blue Jays have won two championships in my lifetime. The Toronto FC, the freaking football team, has even won it. The Argonauts, CFL, Canadian Football League. They've won the Grey Cup God knows how many times. Leafs just can't do it. But I am going to stop talking about them before my blood pressure goes through the roof. And quickly here, before I get into Monday Night Raw, I want to talk about WCW Big Bang. This was supposedly the WCW pay-per-view that never was. And this is thanks to ProWrestlingStories.com, so give credit to my sources here, in one of the most fascinating what-if scenarios in the history of wrestling, we have something that was advertised as WCW Big Bang, the creation of the new WCW, with it under the ownership of Vince McMahon. What does this mean? Who knows? There was even a URL, a website created for this very purpose. The Big Bang May 6.com. I did not try to see if this works. Of course, it probably doesn't, much like the GeoCities page I created in high school. 
around this time. And we would have been seeing, you know, just this reboot of WCW. Maybe we would have seen WCW television. It was supposed to have... It was supposed to take place in the Hard Rock Cafe Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, in this 3,000-square-foot space. We were supposed to have Joey Styles, Don Callis, and even the man that just quit the company, Jerry the King Lawler, to be in talks to be the voices of the new WCW. You know, they suggested... Don Callis and Joey Styles, which them calling WCW after Joey Styles after almost a decade of calling ECW would have been something. We did get Joey Styles on Raw for a cup of coffee, and he was pretty damn good. I mean, one of the best highlights of it is him knocking out that dickbag JBL, so all power to them there. But all this fell under the wayside. It just didn't happen. I mean, this also would have been the deal with Fusion Media and Eric Bischoff as well. Uh, but, you know, it just it didn't happen. We had Vince McMahon coming in and swoop, swoop in at the last minute. Maybe not quite a last minute. Because he had been predicted or in the dirt sheets, to be buying WCW since uh, about mid-2000, you know, on the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown podcast, kind of my inspiration from this. They just finished up SummerSlam 2000. They're on the road to Unforgiven. Did they do Unforgiven yet? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I don't think they do, but every pay-per-view, they just have an audio watch-along while... Tom Campbell, Matthew Gregg from Botchamania, and a special guest, usually John Eiley, the man that does their photoshops. They're hilarious photoshops that come from just a, a thought that they have, like Bam Bam Bigelow as Monty Python or something like that. And John Eiley, Photoshop John, will just bring it to life. And now it's time to talk about Monday Night Raw from June 4th, 2001, from the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the Minnesota Wild, who were just eliminated by the Colorado Avalanche in a very hard-fought series, by the way. Tonight we have King of the Ring qualifiers. We have Kane versus Christian for the Intercontinental title. And so much more. We actually open with the aforementioned match between Kane and Christian. Of course, it's a classic Kane getting all of his big power spots, Christian being a chicken shit heel, trying to get out of everything, and uh, trying to sneak in his moves. Kane lands the top rope clothesline in a very impressive spot for such a big dude. Edge is trying to work a distraction spot here, but Kane is not having it. He is just too smart for it. We see a sign being held up in the front row. Don't bring back The Rock. I'm afraid I've got some bad news for that fan. Edge gets chokeslammed here, and in amongst the chaos, in amongst the schmoz, we hear a siren. We see the WCW symbol being uh, 
shined on the Titan Tron. And Hugh Morris, a.k.a. Bill DeMott, a.k.a. General Hugh G-Rection. God, WCW sucked. Comes out here, he hits the no laughing matter, you know, the, the moonsault that he used to do, because his name's Humorous. Humorous. Get it? Get it? Get it? Jeez, man. <laughs> no wonder they went under. Christian goes for the Impaler. Kane reverses it into Falling Powerbomb number two and retains the Intercontinental title. Since Big Brother Taker has been using the Last Ride, another variation of the Powerbomb, quite possibly my favorite move in the history of wrestling. Yeah, I I'm a guy who got a Powerbomb chant started at an indie show and the wrestler actually did a Powerbomb. I was 16. Shut up. And Kane decided, hey, I'm going to do a Powerbomb too. Maybe because pile drivers are somewhat outlawed at this point in time. Again, apologies if you can hear like the cars going by. I might have to change my recording uh, location until my air conditioner is taken out, which will probably be just after Labor Day or just after. Backstage, Vince is seen walking to gorilla position because he mad and he walks to the ring here and he cuts a promo. First off, he starts with Chris Benoit saying, you know, who do you think you are, Chris Benoit? During your match with Steve Austin last week, you abused me. I got bruises, contusions, hematomas all over my body, and I have a slight concussion. I'm not so sure that you're a wolverine, but you are certainly an animal. And Austin treated you like one and beat you twice in one week. He even beat you with your own submission hold last week on Monday Night Raw. Uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> Yeah, that was the screw job finish because, of course, you have to break out the screw job card when you're in Canada. Only an actual animal would suplex a man 10 times. This is uh, covering their rematch on SmackDown just after their hellacious match on Raw. This match was featured on Stone Cold Steve Austin's What DVD that I still own. I think it actually belongs to my cousin, so Johnny, if you were hearing this, I still have your Stone Cold What DVD about, what, 20 years later? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a very entertaining DVD, by the way. It covers, like, X7. It covers his feud with Kurt Angle. The birth of the What chant. Oh, good lord, the What chant. Yeah, WWE is going back on tour next month, and yeah, we're going to get What and CM Punk chants. But hey, if AEW's All Out is anything to go by on how wrestling crowds are going to be, I think it'll be just fine. And WrestleMania this year had an audience. I'm super jealous of uh, some of my good brothers and good sisters that got to go to this show. You know, I think of people like Scott Rand and Rob and uh, Philium. Y'all got to go. Did Dusty Dave go to that show? I... No, I don't think you did. But if you did, Dusty Dave, happy birthday, by the way. Shout out to that. Vince is interrupted by Mick Foley, who just had a amazing A&E documentary out this past week. They've been killing it with their documentaries and their uh, 
wrestling's greatest treasures. I've been loving it. Bret Hart's is next week, and I'm looking forward to it the most. Mick Foley hides a valid contract inside of his book, stating that he can make any Raw main event. So he chooses tonight to book Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Chris Jericho for the WWE title. Chris Benoit and Vince McMahon are both banned from ringside. This is continuing the leftover powers that Linda McMahon bestowed upon Mick Foley during the Vince and Linda McMahon divorce proceedings and that kind of thing, just just to screw over Vince while they are in the middle of divorce court. And of all people to come out to the ring next, Mick Foley introduces Jesse the Governor Ventura and the scowl on Vince McMahon's face here. These two dudes don't get along, and even commentary is making that obvious claim. And Ventura says, There are more powerful people in the world than you, Vince. You might not like to hear this, but I'm one of them. And as the governor of Minnesota, I mandate that this match is official. Mick, have a nice day. And he just leaves. Vince McMahon is just fuming at this. And Mick says, oh yeah, I'm promising another surprise tonight. Remember, Vince, Foley is good. (laughs) Backstage, Austin is a sexist asshole and makes his wife carry all of his heavy bags. The next match, what was the point of that? Give Austin heel heat. Man, chauvinist pick Austin. Anyways, next we have the first King of the Ring qualifying match between Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy, who both come to the ring together with Lita and are introduced, you know, separately just right away like that. And they put on a very good match here. A twist of fate is denied. Jeff Hardy lands a wicked whisper in the wind. And there's this one thing that that uh, Matt does where he's leaning on the outside of the ring apron and he has an opponent run up to him. And what happens is he tries to backdrop his opponent into the ring or his opponent tries to backdrop him into the ring, I think. And as a result, he does a handstand backflips right back into a DDT, which was a fantastic spot here. The, uh, the uh, screaming leg drop is denied. Jeff goes for the swanton, but Matt Hardy gets the knees up. A twist of fate is reversed into a backslide, and Jeff Hardy wins. Very good match here. Jeff Hardy moves on into the King of the Ring match, and I think I know who he faces in the next round, and it ain't gonna be pretty. Austin's backstage, shining up his title real nice, but he doesn't turn that bitch sideways and stick a straight up Vince's candy ass. Instead... He starts ranting to Vince McMahon, saying that Vince's divorce with Linda is starting to affect him. Austin, you selfish dick. My goodness. Just give her half your stuff and shut up. And he's like, I don't want to believe a woman. Deborah gives him a look. 
never mind. Yikes. <laughs> good, good lord. I mean, you're really trying to make Austin into an unlikable dickbag. You're succeeding. So far, this heel turn, as crap as it's been, I'm not liking him right now. He is making it very hard for me to like. And I, I've i always been a fan of Steve Austin. He's been a guy that I've always stuck by, even during this time. But my goodness, I'm going back to this thing. You're making him out to be a giant dick. So backstage, Mick Foley is talking with Trish. Uh, Trish Stratus is going to have a bra and panties match with Terry Runnels later in the night. Uh, for some reason, Mick Foley starts talking about Hamilton, uh, someone from U.S. history. I think it's the same guy that the musical is based on. Uh, America, please help me out. And he likens the Mick Foley, Trish Stratus bra and panties match to Hamilton dying in a duel. And if Hamilton dueled in a bra and panties match, he'd still be alive. Um, That was like 200 years ago, Mick. I love dorky Mick Foley. He is just so funny. It's just so cute. He is... <laughs> He is very entertaining backstage again here. William Regal and Tajiri and Regal says to Tajiri that the tea needs to be two degrees warmer. Really? How can you tell, William? I mean, I'm a tea drinker. I drink a lot. Well, I drink a lot of herbal tea, but yeah, weird. Kurt Angle is backstage saying, uh, I mean, going into Regal's office, I mean, saying that he could be defending his King of the Ring title. We all know that last year, Kurt Angle won the 2000 King of the Ring. But he also wants to beat Shane McMahon and be in the tournament. You know, I just got, you know, nominated to be in the Amateur Wrestling Hall of Fame. He brags about that. And Regal's like, yeah, you can defend your crown you're in the tournament. You can do that and face Shane at King of the Ring. Good. There you are. And Spike Dudley gets a mention here because he has been a thorn in the side of Kurt Angle for the past little while. He wants a match, but hey, Spike's already got a match tonight, so why don't we have a six-man? How about you team up with the Hollies? To go up against the Dudleys. And Kurt Angle's like, yeah, I broke Bob's arm and laughed about it. I smashed Crash in the head of the steel chair. And I physically threatened and provoked Molly Holly last week. Sure, okay. And then Spike and Bubba and Devon are all talking. And he says to Spike, don't screw this up. Paul Heyman is talking about the poor defenseless table while... A recap of last week's Raw where Spike is powerbombed through Molly. I mean, Molly is powerbombed through Spike, through the table, and Paul Heyman's more worried about the table. LOL. WWF New York and I'm not booked tonight. Molly Holly is selling her injuries, saying that she'll be back soon. Thank you, Spike, for all the flowers. And I really like you, too. She likes me. She likes me. She likes me. Oh, man. I was going out with a girl around this time. 
in 2001 in high school. And despite the fact our relationship was a few months old at this point, I still said that to myself because I likened my relationship with, uh, with Mrs. I'm not saying her name, <laughs> um, to this, but it didn't end as a result of people getting put through tables. We just grew apart about a year after this. Anyways, we have the Dudley boys versus the Hollies and Kurt Angle here. When I heard the Hollies being introduced, I thought, my goodness, they lost a lot of weight because it was a total combined weight of 440 pounds. And I'm just like, they shredded their weight in half because if you remember when they debuted as the in giant air quotes, super heavyweights, uh, they weighed in at allegedly over 800 pounds. That is, of course, when big, tough, hardcore Holly was uh, being a tough guy going up against like the big show and Kane and Undertaker and all the other big dudes, like even Viscera, I think he tried to get a, a piece of the super heavyweights back when Crash used to come to the ring in a giant butcher's scale, this mwah, chef's kiss. And Spike wants Kurt. He's got uh, he's got big dick energy here. He's running through everybody. He tags in Devon. We want tables chance, of course, start right away in the match. And my theory about the tables being more over than the Dudleys is becoming truer and truer every week which is why I think they turn heel in a couple of weeks. Spoiler alert for a 20-year-old wrestling show. Spike is getting worked over through most of this match. You know, he tries to hit the acid drop, the Dudley Dog, the Tornado Diamond Cutter on Kurt Angle, but instead gets German suplexed in a crazy spot here. Angle is going for like a middle rope or superplex here, but Spike Dudley manages to push him off and land the coup de gras, the diving double stomp on Kurt and gets the hot tag, the spicy hot tag to Bubba Ray Dudley. There is a backdrop, a Bubba bomb, a Samoa drop, the Dudleyville device. And while this is all going on, Angle goes for a German suplex on Bubba Ray Dudley. A moonsault by Kurt is denied and we see a was up. I believe it was landed on Kurt Angle. If not, it was on Crash Holly. And then we got was up. We got Devon. Get the tables denied. Uh, 3D on Crash Holly and behind the referee's back because Kurt Angle was the legal man. He lands the angle slam on Bubba Ray and wins the match for his team. And this is a good spot here, folks, for an ad break. When I come back. We got The Big Show versus Chris Benoit. We have another King of the Ring qualifier between Rhino and Taz. We are encouraged to smack down our vote and the main event between Chris Jericho and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stay tuned, peeps. My name is the Monday Night Delight, and my life has been pretty crazy. You see, I've been a wrestling fan since I was 10, and when I was 29, I started a wrestling show with my friend Mitchell called The Gift Podcast. You may have heard of it. It was great, but Mitchell met a girl that he thought was even greater, so he left the show when they got married, and I still love him. Anyway, I did the show by myself for a while, but that got hard, so I joined up with Rant with Ant and went to WrestleMania, where I met the Kings of the Rings, and that was awesome. Eventually, though, Rant with Ant went away, but Ant left us with WrestleMania Radio. Hooray! But then things got crazy in my life, and I decided to stop doing The Gift Podcast. 
For four months, I didn't do a show except when Goldberg won the Universal title from The Fiend. I mean, what was that all about? I was so mad and I had no outlet. It drove me crazy and I had to start a new show. The Delight Show. Every Wednesday, we talk about all elite wrestling, TNA, Impact Wrestling, pop culture, and if we really, really have to, the WWE. It's a fun time, and I'd love for you to join me every Wednesday on The Delight Show on Wrestle Attic Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Bye! Welcome back to Fretzelmania episode 30, folks. Thank you very much to creativecommons.org for the lovely chip tunes you're hearing in the background in your ear holes. And not only is Monday Night Raw brought to you by Stacker 2, Castrol GTX, and Snickers Cruncher, Hungry Crunch This, but this portion of the show is brought to you by our Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleAddictRadio, the cure for the common wrestling Patreon. Five bucks a month will get you access to all of us in a lovely group chat. You will get 15% off of our merch. You'll get exclusive shows such as the 20 bell salute and tales of an epic nature to name a couple speaking of merch it is pride month folks and once again russell attic radio is partnering with the trevor project an organization that counsels to lgbtq youth uh, 25 and under proceeds for our pride merch our lovely shiny pride merch with all of us on Russell Attic Radio, that is the Queen Bee themselves, the K. Murphy, that is King Ricky Rose, that is Willie T, myself, Fretzelmania, and a nice Rainbow Mr. Fretz shirt as well. Mr. YLP himself, the Young Lions Perspective, and who could forget, good brother Mance of The Delight Show. Proceeds, I believe it is 100% of the proceeds of our Pride merch go to the Trevor Project, so please help out this awesome organization they are great people and they do great stuff and if you're in the mood for our regular merch i mean sun's out guns out it's beach season here although last week around this time we had a frost warning canada you're weird but i still love you i live on a beach and if you want to come to this beach why not support wrestleatic radio why not get a Fratzelmania tank top and lay out on the beach with a Kings of the Rings beach towel. Why not pick up a Young Lions Perspective mask and then a a Delight Show t-shirt or a long sleeve shirt when it's the end of the night you're sitting by the campfire and you're just roasting s'mores chilling and listening to us on Wrestle Addict Radio. Our next match is the Big Show versus Chris Benoit. And this is your classic big man versus little man or if you're JR in every big little match, Davey versus Goliath. Only this time David won. And that is a deep cut Simpsons reference. If any of you get that, please DM me because <laughs> you know I love my Simpsons. And in this match, the Big Show goes for a Brett's Rope elbow drop, but because he's a big man going for a big move, he misses. The Air Canada, the flying headbutt, gets reversed as Chris Benoit lands right by Big Show's head. Big Show catches him and they both come to their feet 
goes for a choke slam, but the last second when he has Benoit in the air, boom, versus to a cross face, and he has the cross face locked in for an eternity here, and we're thinking, there's no way that the big slow here is going to tap out. I don't think up to this point the big show has ever tapped out. If he did, it might have been behind the referee's back to a rock sharpshooter. It might have been to the ankle lock. He might have. No, Kurt Angle was barely using the ankle lock at this point in time. No, not barely using. He was just getting into using the ankle lock at this point in time. And since both him and show, since they're both heels, that hasn't happened yet. This might be the first time that the big show tapped out on WWE TV. Might have even been going back to friggin' WCW here as well, because I believe all of his losses in WCW were like pinfall or DQ, but this made Chris Benoit look strong. This made him look like a killer. Um, <clears throat> That is probably a terrible, terrible analogy, and I apologize for that one. Yikes. I mean, watching Benoit at this point in time, I was a big fan of his, but now retrospectively, you gotta watch what you say. Think, Fretz, think. Backstage, Biker Taker arrives in his bike, and he is talking about the stalker, not Barry Windham, deep cut wrestling reference. If you get that, shout me out. He says, somebody's got a death wish here, and you have to come here and deal with me, not my wife. I've gone out of my way to keep my family out of this damn business, and if you've seen... Uh, the Undertaker's specials on the network. Yes, absolutely. That might be one of the core reasons his marriage to Sarah fell apart in the first place. But this is neither here nor there. Shout out to Dusty Dave again. Happy birthday, bro. And he goes to JR and Heyman like, hey, it started with you because that mysterious envelope arrives at commentary he's like hey we only got this from a courier we don't know anything and Heyman, he gets a little sly here he's like if someone got my old lady smack that's my wife you're talking about bitch so they're like hey go talk to vince and then we see another video while uh, Taker can only react by standing in the ring and being pissed. Cheryl. Something to do, like she's hosing off uh, the dog or something. They're at their swimming, they're filling their swimming pool. And they have a dog. I'm going to see a lot more of Sarah. Oh, whoever did this gonna die? Oh boy, we see a classic King of the Ring moment where we relive 1998. By God Almighty, he killed him. As God is my witness, he has broken in half. Yeah, 1998. Mick Foley getting sailed off the cage. We're thinking, <laughs> whoever's stalking Taker's wife is gonna get that. But ten times worse. Taker bolts in to Vince McMahon's office and Vince says, you know, I don't know anything but I know who might. I know who might have done this. The same person who shone the WCW light on the Titan Tron. The same man who went to the production truck and got the WCW logo on WWE TV. Maybe it was Shane. 
but I do not be lying to me, Vince. Spoiler alert, he is. King of the Ring qualifying match between Rhino and Taz. EC dub, EC dub, EC dub. Taz locks in the Taz mission here and has it in for quite a while until Rhino manages to uh, break the hole by just simply falling backwards and lands the gore in a quick match. Rhino qualifies for the King of the Ring. And Austin is backstage. He's trying to coax Deborah into getting information on the surprise that Mick Foley has. You know, Deborah was the lieutenant commissioner, the assistant, the Dwight Schrute to uh, Mick Foley's Michael Scott, if you will. And then Foley is good is a quick commercial here. And he says in this commercial, that I come clean about a relationship I had with China in which her hands touched my genitals. Dude, she punched you in the balls. Well, hang on. No, did she do the testicular claw to Mick? I wonder. I think that happened. Or is that just another word for him getting an over the pants handy? Who knows? Uh, I'm not going to speak of this because China is no longer with us. And I don't think it's fair to uh, assume things about the uh, the deceased. Uh, Smackdown Your Vote campaign is launched here in Minnesota. And it's like Smackdown Your Vote Day. And Kurt Angle is there to uh, encourage Americans to vote. We all know how that election went. The last... God knows how many elections. America, get your shit together. I mean, our country sucks too, but oh, damn. <laughs> was this after the George Bush? Yes, it was after George Bush got uh, elected. Holy shit. Deborah uh, sweetens McFoley by bringing him his favorite candy and kind of coaxing him to hey, t- tell me your secret. You know, like old times when you used to tell me these secrets and Mick breaks down, he starts telling a story about, hey, remember that time I met Britney Spears and... Never mind. But I'm not going to tell you my, my secret. No, it's not happening. But you can have my book. He autographs it. I think he says Steve's name, so I think it's like, Steve, you're not going to know the secret love Mick or something like that. It would have been funny if he signed it like that. And and Steve still has the book like on his shelf like that. <laughs> oh, by, oh, by the way... Uh, Deborah, there's a story about you on page 142. I don't have Foley as good. I mean, I bought it. I got this for like, I don't know, Christmas for my birthday that year. But I've read it and it probably it probably wound up in a goodwill somewhere. I'll buy it again because Mick Foley's books, at least his first two books, are entertaining. I got to get my hands on Chris Jericho's third. Anyone has any leads, let me know because I can't find it anywhere. Edge and Christian backstage argue about the King of the Ring, you know, hey, Edge, I'm already in this. And Christian's like, hey, I should go in it too. I should win the King of the Ring. We see just a little teeny mustard seed being planted here for dissension amongst my favorite Canadian, not actually brothers. Backstage, Chris Jericho has an interview with Michael Cole, whom he tells to shut the hell up. I've been a six-time Intercontinental Champion. I've even been the WWE Champion, although that decision was reversed. I even told Vince McMahon that his dick is small. You know, at least I'll be honest. I mean, blah, 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 blah. Your jackass is going to get handed to you. Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
Terry and Trish have their bra and panties match that ends right away when Saturn comes out to the ring in a trench coat and unveils his own bra and panties. Get it? Because he's concussed and has brain damage. You're welcome. Trish wins after that distraction. Uh, Perry Saturn in a trench coat. Austin versus Jericho for the WWE title in the main event of Monday Night Raw. And the special surprise I just said in air quotes that you can't see, that Mick Foley is outside the ring, the outside of the ring troubleshooting referee. And Paul Heyman is apoplectic as a result of this, saying that Vern Gagne is rolling in his grave and he ain't even dead yet. I think Vern Gagne passed away maybe four or five years or more after um, <laughs> Paul Heyman said this. And Combos presents King of the Ring coming later this month. Man, I could go for a good bag of combos right now. The seven-layer dip kind, the buffalo wing pretzel kind. My goodness, those snacks are good. We don't get nearly as many good snacks in Canada. <laughs> like uh, Kayla, shout out to Kayla Moon. She was here, was sharing something on Twitter, on Facebook about Chex Mix. Which Chex Mix piece is the worst? And I say, none of them. That mix is perfect, and we don't have it in Canada. By the way, if you want to send Fred's Chex Mix, DM me, and I'll send you my address. <laughs> this match, of course, breaks out into a schmoz on the outside, a whole bunch of plunder on the outside, baby. We see Mick Foley playing Lumberjack as he throws Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the ring every time he gets out of the ring. We see a lion salt, and Austin gets his knees up with those knee braces. Ouch, that has to hurt. He hits a spine buster, and he is all over Chris Jericho here. There is a rest hold that is reversed by Jericho, but Austin sneaks in that sneaky mule kick, low blow, you sneaky prick. In the prick. Phrasing. Mick Foley distracts, Jer distracts the referee, and Jericho gets a low blow here, so you go tit for tat, or nut for nut, if you will. Chris Jericho lands a top rope Frankensteiner. Ref bump Earl Hebner goes down, and the walls of Jericho is locked in, and Mick Foley enters the ring to try and count the submission. But Regal, William Regal, the commissioner, comes to the ring here and hits Foley. Uh, Foley on the outside goes for a chair. Regal ducks, and he accidentally hits Jericho with the steel chair. Back in the ring, Chris Jericho kicks out of that chair shot, much to the chagrin of Stone Cold Steve Austin, who then just, boom, hits the stunner and wins. And after the match, as a result, William Regal gets the walls of Jericho locked in. And while he's got the walls, we see Mick Foley go into his pants to get the sock. So he's getting two submission holds at once. The Mandible Claw Socko and the walls of Jericho as the show ends. This was a fun one. Again, I'm sorry if I'm a little low energy, if I'm a little off today. Hopefully next week I will be medicated and a little bit better but it was fun uh what i remember from this was the wcw bit was bill demont hugh morris hitting the no laughing matter on edge something i forgot i completely forgot jesse ventura ever came back after summerslam 99 because in my mind i saw him at summerslam 99 and then hall of fame 2004 when he said we should put a wrestler on the white house and then he actually put a WWE Hall of Famer in the White House. And we all know how that went. 
And something I'd change is something to do with the stalker. I mean, we only saw him for a bit. All we saw was Taker say, y'all got a death wish who did this. So whoever did this better fess up or they did. Uh, I would have had a little bit more of a further going further with this because it's only a couple more weeks before it's revealed, you know. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, listen to all of us on Wrestle Addict Radio, the Kings of the Rings podcast, whose live stream I'm about to tune into, the Young Lions Perspective, and the Delight Show. TTFN, ta-ta for now.